This morning I have a, I'll cover a subject that is faith. I call it faith's new address. Okay, faith's new address. Um, it's contained in a, in a chapter of scripture. Now we're going to use, Kim, could you put up Ephesians 2 in the message? Okay, Ephesians 2 in the message. And the reason I want to use this is because it uses a different kind of wording. And it calls me to think about some things in a different way. And that's one of the good things about using some different translations is that it allows you to grasp some principles in a different way. Language comes different. Um, maybe sometimes it's clearer. Maybe it's sometimes it's more contemporary. Uh, you know, maybe sometimes it's just a little plainer. And so the message this morning is the version I want to use because of some wording it uses toward the very end. And uh, for those of you with King James or New King James or New International, whatever, it's, it's okay. Uh, I use all those. I, listen, I use all of them, okay? Uh, whatever touches my heart is what I use. And I like to, I like to use, compare, I like to compare versions to just see you know how it works. And I want to say this. Okay. The real Bible is referred to as the Textus Receptus. Those are the words that the Holy Spirit gave the men of old. And that's the real deal. The Textus Receptus. Really was not. We use we use the Greek. You know, it's a lot of Bible teachers say, "Well, in the Greek, you know, the Greek was written in the New Testament, so it was uh, basically from." And I say, "Well, the the Greek this word means so and so and so." So I'm trying to, you know, sound like a big scholar, and sometimes it brings clarity. I'm not going to complain too much about that, but to be honest with you, uh, when the Holy Spirit gave the Word of God to the holy men of old, He didn't use Greek. didn't. You know what it was in? Hebrew. When God gave the Old Testament, you know what it was in? It was in Hebrew. So don't get your hackles all up and fight and fuss about the New King James Version being the right thing or the new NIV being the right thing because it was translated from the Alexandrian scrolls. And, and don't get mad if somebody uses the NIV and you say, well, the the Alexandrian scrolls and it was polluted because they didn't interpret it right. Don't get, don't get your hackles all up. Whatever version you use, let the Holy Spirit reveal to you what the message of God is. Because, see, that's what's important. It's the message of God. The Holy, <laughs> listen, if the Holy Spirit inspired it many thousands of years ago, don't you think he can let you catch the drift and the thrust of the spirit of that word today? I mean, if he inspired it, he can give translation to it, can't he? He can give you meaning to it. And so, um, I don't know why I said that. I just, uh, I just said that. But it's good to use different versions, unless it's just totally polluted and it con contradicts everything else. You know, you just... You got the Holy Ghost in you. Let him work. Okay? So this is the message. And um, what we're going to do is we're going to read all of it, and then I'm going to come back and we're going to catch some things in an overview. Okay? 
This is a, this is a, I love the way it's written. And the reason I like the way it's written is because it gives God's purpose and plan sort of from somewhere in the past to somewhere in the future. But this purpose and plan embraces everyone from way back yonder to way out yonder somewhere. His purpose and plan embraces humankind, mankind, from start to finish. It embraces, well, let's just read this, okay? It wasn't so long ago that you were, you were mired in that old stagnant life of sin. You let the world which doesn't know the first thing about living tell you how to live. <laughs> how many people have been there? <laughs> Think about it. You know, looking back on it now from where you are from your saved position, it was stupid to let the world tell you how you're supposed to live because the world doesn't know how to live. <laughs> you know, you got to laugh about some things. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. Now, I like the way that says that. Okay, next slide, please. We all did it. All of us doing what we felt like doing when we felt like doing it. All of us in the same boat. It's a wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with the whole lot of us. You know, it's a miracle, isn't it? You know, not just for today's temporary times in your life and my life as individuals, but it's reflected all throughout the Bible. You remember when God quote, lost his temper at Mount Sinai when they was having this wild party and they had created this molten calf. God told Moses, he said, stand out of the way and just let me kill them all and I'll raise up another lot of them. Moses says, no, don't do that. Don't do that. He said, he said if you're going to take anybody, take my life, but spare them. You know, that's a type of Jesus. That's like what Jesus did for us. Take me, not them. Take Jesus said, take me, don't take Keith Smith. He did that for you. Okay? Instead, immense in mercy and with an incredible love, he embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. He did all this on his own with no help from us. You ever tried to help God out? How'd that work out for you? Not real good, did it? No. Then he picked us up and set us down in the highest heaven in company with Jesus, our Messiah. Now, God has us where he wants us with all the time in this world and the next to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. Saving is all his idea and all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing. No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and the saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does. The good work he has gotten ready for us to do. Work we had better be doing. 
But don't take any of this for granted. It was only yesterday that you out that it was only yesterday that you outsiders to God's ways had no idea of any of this. Didn't know the first thing about the way God works. Hadn't the faintest idea of Christ. Yet knew nothing of that rich history of God's covenants and promises in Israel. Hadn't a clue about what God was doing in the world at large. Now, because of Christ dying that death, shedding that blood, you were once out of it altogether, and now you're in on everything. <laughs> the Messiah has made things up between us so that we're now together on this, both non-Jewish outsiders and Jewish insiders. He tore down the wall we used to keep each other at a distance. He repealed the law code that had become so clogged with fine print and footnotes that it hindered more than it helped. Then he started over. Instead of continuing with two groups of people separated by centuries of animosity and suspicion, he created a new kind of human being, a fresh start for everybody. Christ brought us together through his death on the cross. The cross got us to embrace, and that was the end of the hostility. Christ came and preached peace to you, outsiders, and peace to us insiders. He treated us as equals and so made us equals. Through Him we both share the same Spirit and have equal access to the Father. That's plain enough, isn't it? You're no longer wandering exiles. Listen, here's the sentence. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. I'm going to say that again. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here, in what he is building. He used the apostles and prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you. Fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, stone with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape every day. Well, I'm sorry. We see it taking shape day after day. A holy temple built by God. All of us built into it. A temple in which God is quite at home. is an amazing chapter in the Word. I'm just going to pull a few things out there. Historically, Paul was writing to a community, to a church, if you would, that was composed and comprised of Jewish believers. Now, they were Jewish by birth. They had been raised under the law. They come out of Orthodox synagogues. So you had those people in there, but you also had people mainly of Greek descent who were called Gentiles. Now, Gentiles were, they had no Jewish blood in them. And so as the church was being developed and built, there was one race and then there was another race. Now, we don't often think, and I'm just going to go right out here and jump square into this. We don't often consider, and it's not often stated, 
about one of the central purposes of the cross and the gospel is in terms of Jesus' church, and that is Christ died to do away with racism. And I don't know how you feel about it, but when the word racism is resurrected and used, whether it is, it is true and applicable or whether it's just a word that's tossed out there to use someone to use as a defense or an offensive shield, a defensive shield or an offensive weapon, anytime that's used, you're not going to find a cross around it anywhere. That's right. Now in our country, we went through a long history of racism and racial injustice. And I'm not here today to particularly stand up on this stunt and, and use it as a pet peeve, but I just want to say that the gospel of Jesus Christ, according to this chapter, was used to take away the prejudices of one race and take away the prejudices of another race and mesh those two together as one new man. And some, an opponent of the gospel might say, well, um, that's not happened yet. Well, my response is, it has happened fundamentally in the mind and the purpose of God and although it has not manifested fully yet, Time ain't out. Because it is coming. Look, let's be realistic. You know, in the history of our country, it's ugly and it's nasty. I remember one time, and I'll just share this with you. I remember one time that Dan Hartley and myself and John Fleener, my son-in-law, went to Africa. We went to Nigeria, uh, spent two and a half weeks in the jungle. And the purpose of that trip was to have crusades and bring the gospel. And while we were over there and just, and I mean, I'm just talking about like the first night. As we were approaching the first night, as we were already in Africa and we traveled into the jungle and we were going to preach in this city uh, at a soccer field where they played soccer. It's nothing like what you see on TV. You know, it was just a cow pasture or this grassy area with some, they had some seats on one end of it. We were actually able to get a microphone in there. Um, the, there were the, 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 the language over there is English, That's, and English is the official language, and Hutu is the official native language. It's the language the natives speak. Now, there's different tribes over there, but the Hutus are uh, generally, that'd be a good word, generally seen and viewed as the ruling tribe, and, and they've had trouble tribe on tribe over there. Okay, so now... The first night of the crusade come, and so preaching the cross and, and bringing an evangelical message, I preached on forgiveness, the forgiveness that Jesus extends to us. And during that, toward the end, before we gave the altar call, 
this is what I said. I just kind of worked my way to this point, and, and this, the following statement is what I said generally. It's not going to be verbatim because I can't remember that good, but generally speaking, here's what I said. I said, as many of you know, back in the 1700s and 1800s, white people from my country came to Africa and essentially robbed Africa of her best people. And in robbing Africa of her best people, robbed Africa of her destiny, her worth, her character, and enslaved them as slaves, hauled them to my country, and there they were used on plantations and in homes and various places as slaves. And I said, as you know, uh, we had a civil war and the Emancipation Proclamation came along and they were freed. I said, but we still have pains because of that even to this day. And I said, as a rep I, said I want to be able to spiritually be able to do something here tonight. And I said, what I want to do, I said, as a representative of white Caucasian people of European descent from my country, I said, I want to apologize to the nations of Africa for what my ancestors did. And I said, I ask for your forgiveness. And I said, now, if you forgive us, I said, let me know with a shout. And <laughs> one of my companions, I don't know which one it was, I didn't tell him I was going to do this. And remember, we were in, we were in the jungle of Africa, and, and we didn't know anything about anything. Okay? We just simply believed and we would pray every day. We would, God would give us the message. And we didn't go with anything really prepared. It was just night by night and day by day. And so one of my companions leant over to my other companion and said, he's going to get us all killed here. He really said that. He's going to get us all killed here. And... Um, it was kind of nervous, and I didn't know if we'd get a shout or not. Now, bear in mind, there was somewhere between twelve and 15,000 people there that night. And all of a sudden, when the interpreter said, you know, and some of them understood what I said, but when the interpreter said, everybody who's in agreement with forgiveness, lift up a shout. People come out of their seats, jumped up, almost every single person there and they shouted and and this little place we were in it was sort of in the hollow of a mountainous region and behind them and to my left and to my right there were there was this mountain range and when those people stood up and shouted it's like it was magnified a million times and the sound of that shout went throughout those mountains and was released into the atmosphere and it was absolutely it would chill your blood. It was that impactful. And then I went on to say, I said, now, if you have unforgiveness in your heart to your spouse or someone in your family or to your neighbor, you need to take care of that. As Christ forgave you, so you need to forgive each other. You've forgiven me. And if you've forgiven me, why wouldn't you forgive someone who's wronged you? And so we gave the altar call. We had a lot of people come down for salvation. A lot of people come down for healing. Uh, 
Some people were delivered of various different things, and we began to receive a report of that, you know, later on in the crusade. The next day, the next day we were asked to go to the tribal chief's house. They call him the king. He, he was known as a king, and, and he was Muslim. Y'all heard this story before? I can't remember. I have. Janie has. Okay, she's about the only one. So she does count, by the way. She counts as one. And so the next day, we, we received word the next morning that the king wanted to see us. And I'm thinking, a king? A king wants to see us? And so now you've got to understand, this was before a lot of unrest in the world. And I'll say this, I'll just inject this. Um, every Muslim I've ever met is peacekeeping and peace-loving. And they are very much in distress about what the minority of radical Muslim and Islam is doing in the earth today. And I'll say this again, every Muslim I've ever met has been peace-loving and they're very distressed with what's going on in the world today because they're victims too. So anyway, we're carried to the king's house and we're told we're going to be carried into the throne room and we had to take our shoes off. And You know, I, I just, I asked questions. I said, you know, I mean, how do, we, how do you, what's the protocol here? How do you, you know, what do you do when you come into a king's presence, you know? Do you, do you bow down? Do you get on your knees? You know, what do you do? I said, we have different customs in our country. And, you know, and the fellow we were with, he said, don't worry about it. He said, the king will let you know what you need to do. I said, okay. So we go into the king's house, and into, his, into, his, into his house area. They keep us in a little holding area. It's kind of like a little garden. And then um, when the king's ready, he calls us in. And so he called us in. We went in there, and he was a, he was a jolly fellow. As a matter of fact, I'm just he looked a lot like Donnie. And I have never really recognized the resemblance until he looked a lot like Donnie. Had a big smile on his face. He was a happy guy. You know, he was he was dressed in his chieftain outfit. He gets up off of that big chair. One room, nothing in there but the king the king's chair and a room. There were some little pillows to sit on the floor for company. As we walk into the room, he gets up out of his chair and he walks forward to us and he sticks out his hand. And so we shake his hand. And then uh, he begins to tell us that he'd heard word about the crusade the night before and that he was pleased and, and this, that, and the other. And um, he begins to talk to the interpreter in Hutu. I didn't have... I didn't have a clue what he was saying, but it was a long kind of conversation. And I'm thinking, how in the world is this interpreter going to talk to us? And how is he going to express to us what this king is saying whenever he's just standing there listening? Well, here's what happens. The king tells us that uh, many years ago there was a civil war between the Hutus and a rivaling tribe. And that during this civil war, it went on for years. And he said the majority of the men in the tribes 
they're warriors, of course. He said the majority of the men were killed. He said there wasn't a whole lot of men left. And he said it was bloody and it was nasty and it just brought nothing but pain and harm to the community and the area. And what he said next was just, it was kind of shocking. He said, he said, what happened last night during the time of you preaching your message on forgiveness is that we have been on the verge of civil war here the last few months between the Hutus and this same tribe. And he said last night, he said the major parties who were in opposition to each other and who were in tense relations, he said they were basically all present at the crusade. And he said when you told your story and then you encouraged them to express forgiveness to each other, when you told them how you'd been forgiven and how and how you asked for forgiveness from our people, he said, there's no longer a threat for war. And I didn't really mean to go this far on this point in here, but I think it needs to be said, is that although the factions in Nigeria where we were at that time were black it was still racially motivated because there were different bloodlines okay and so what I'm here to declare to you today is is where the blood of Jesus is active and the benefits of the cross is being worked out it takes away racism And anytime racism is resurrected and used either as an offensive weapon or a defensive shield, whenever that happens, we're just totally circumventing the cross and we're going around the one thing that can help us and we're serving our own selfishness. So there's no place for racism. And when this message went out in the church of Ephesus that the Jew and the Gentile all their stuff had been wiped away and God was creating a new man in the earth to be, to be known as the church or the body of Christ. And as he began to paint this picture, he described the purpose behind that was to build a body or to build a building that God would be happy to abide in. You know what I think? This is what I think and what I believe. And with me, a lot of times, whatever comes up, comes out, you get what you hear. You know? That's just the way I am, and I hope it doesn't bring any offense to anybody. But I really feel like, and I believe that, this place, that's the, that's the case. There's, there's, you know, Paul said there's no Jew, there's no Greek, there's no bond, there's no free. He said we're one man in Christ Jesus. And that's the way I feel that we are. And I feel that toward the times, in the times in which we live, although this other stuff may be resurrected, the general trend and the thrust of the Lord is manifesting itself 
Because church and the body of Christ is becoming a new man. Why? It's because faith is your new address. And that's really what I want to talk about for a few minutes. Where did I put that at? Here we go. La, 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 la. Let me find it. Here we go. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. See, it doesn't matter if you're in Nigeria. It doesn't matter if you're in England. It doesn't matter if you're in Asia or America or South America, Antarctica, as far as that goes. We're living, people of faith are living now in the same country. And it's a home country. Wherever they live is called the kingdom and the country of faith. And so things that would separate us needs to be washed away in the blood of Christ. And whatever we keep between us as a hindrance from becoming the body of Christ is just pure sin. And it's a tool of the devil to keep us from being able to attain to be a habitation for the Lord. Because you see, with Jesus, there is no prejudice. There is no racism. There's none of that. Jesus' blood creates something brand new. For example... We saw in this passage of Scripture that at one time we were all sinners, separate, apart from God, going our own way, doing our own thing, listening to the world for direction and the way to build our lives. And you know where that will lead you? It'll lead you down a trail of destruction. Now, some of you remember having a prior life. Okay? Whatever it was, you had a prior life. There was a time and season in your life when you remember what it was like to be lost. When you remember what it was like to be separate and depart from God and really liking it. You were doing okay, having a blast. Every day was a party or at least you were having your own way. And you felt real good about that. Life was grand, couldn't be any better. But you didn't know it, you were just lost as Hogan's goat. Some of you may not remember any time in your life that was that way. You just always remember the Lord and you remember loving the Lord and you remember loving to go to church and loving God's people and you had a loving spirit about you. Oh, that's good, you know. But you know what the scripture declares? The scripture declares that Adam and Eve plunged into sin and passed sin along to every person, every generation in time. And David said that in iniquity... Sin, his mother conceived him. And the scripture says that the heart is desperately wicked above everything. And I'm going to just tell you this. The people, who say, if, if, the people who say you need to follow your heart, listen, if you're unredeemed, uh, you, you best not follow your heart because it's desperately wicked above everything and it'll lead you into places that's just that way. Now, if you have a redeemed heart, that's a different story. But this business about... Oh, just follow your heart, you know, just like going down the yellow brick road. Try that and see how it works out for you. It ain't going to work out so good. But we were all born in sin. And you know what the solution to sin is? It's the blood of Jesus and the cross. Scripture says that, you know, and I, I talked a couple Sundays ago about the, uh, the history of redemption. Well, in chapter 2 of Ephesians, the history of redemption is there as well. And it talks about... God in Christ loving us before we were even around. You know? 
And how that even while we were sinners, Jesus died for us before we ever did anything. And then at some point out there, it said that grace worked through faith because the scripture says, by grace you're saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should both. In other words, you, can't, you, you didn't add to the salvation. You simply received what God had provided. And at some point out there, in your lostness, and it talks about the Holy Spirit moving in the body of the Christ, Jews and Gentiles, at some point out there, the Holy Spirit began to work in your deadness, and the Holy Spirit began to woo you to Jesus and began to show you the beauty of the cross and your great need for Him. And at some point out there, because God loved you way back yonder, you simply received the salvation that was in Jesus. You stopped trusting in your own way and following that yellow brick road and trusted in that old deceitful heart when you discovered that it done nothing but hurt you. At some point out there, many of you remember the day when you just simply collapsed into the arms of Jesus. You said, I can't do anything else. God, Jesus, save me. I need help. And he did. He rescued you. He made, he made you the benefactor of everything that Jesus has ever done. And you took that in and step by step and day by day your life got better. Your relationship has grown with him and he's inhabiting you and he's loving you and he is showing you your giftness and life is getting better day by day. Regardless of the situation you're in, you may not have money to pay the bills. You may not have a lot of things, but I'm going to tell you what, buddy. You got the love of Jesus, which has been applied by his blood in your heart, and the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost in there rolling around. It's a pretty good deal. It's a pretty good way to live. A lot of you are just, you're just satisfied with Jesus. And that's the way it should be. Why? Because faith is your new country. You're beginning to learn, listen to me, you're beginning to learn that lack in your new country is not quite what lack used to be in your old country. Because lack in your new country has an addendum to it and it's called provision. And you remember the scripture that says that, that uh, the Lord has never forsaken his seed and his, his, his seed don't beg bread. And you remember the place where it talks about him taking care of a fox and a bird in the nest. He said, you know, I don't have anywhere to lay my head, but I'm going to provide for you. You know, we can say that with, with, you know, book, chapter, and verse, or we can just say it like it is. Listen, God's provided a place for you. That's what it's like in your new home country. God is providing for you. He's helping you. In your new country, there's no, there's no such thing really as sickness and disease. It's not. Why? Because there's healing in this new country where you've got your new address. And I want to just say this. Uh, I told y'all that, what was it, Wednesday was two weeks ago. During the night I got healed. I'm still healed. I can feel my feet. I don't have high blood sugar anymore. reason I know that is because I got a sugar checker. I'm checking it three times a day. I got a blood pressure meter. I'm checking that every time I possibly can. I believe I'm going to make a pretty good normal. You ever thought about that? You know, you can make a pretty good normal. And I'll just declare over you right now, you know, we talked about the prayer of faith. It still works. It's still applicable. We prayed for some folks last week, and if, if you got a testimony about how God healed you, I would really like to hear that. And by the way, when God heals you, don't you be quiet about it. 
You need to shout it from the rooftops. You need to tell people. Let me tell you, you know, you're gonna, what's going to happen is God's going to run you into people who had the same condition that you had. And then you're going to say, oh, let me tell you what the Lord did. The Lord healed me of so-and-so. And he can do the same thing for you. I have always had this bit of, uh, this has been kind of my philosophy from way, way back yonder when we started down this charismatic trail. This has been my philosophy. If I had a disease or sickness that God healed me from, then what he did is he actually removed that from my life. Now, when, when God removes something for your life, it's his, it's his, it's his um, procedure and his way to put something to fill that void. Just like when he took away sin, he put Jesus there. Okay, he didn't leave. He didn't leave a void in your life. He took care of everything. So this, it's my belief that when he heals you and he removes the illness or and, and the disease and the seed and the effect of it, and he fills you with himself, I believe that you've got a special anointing to heal somebody of the same thing. That's been my belief. And if you really start. Praying for a lot of people, what you're going to do is you're going to find out that that gift of healing actually works on other diseases too. But on the front side, he's going to put you in the proximity of people who need to be healed from that. So right now, let's see. Okay, I've got three special anointings. I can pray for people with asthma and they'll be healed. I can pray for people with cancer and they can be healed. And now I can pray for people with diabetes and they'll be healed. And what I am doing is I am keeping a list of people that I pray for and get healed and I'm adding to that list daily such as should be added. <laughs> See, I believe that. Just like I believe the prayer of faith healed me, I'm believing that the prayer of faith will heal you and it will heal others. See, I, I, I'm not expecting or looking for anything less than that. Because see, this is where your address is in this new faith kingdom. In the kingdom of God, there's currency. You may not have currency in your pocket. Most of the time, I don't have a lot of currency in my pocket. And I don't mind it that way. Really? I, I don't mind it that way. But the, the currency of the new kingdom is blessing which is stimulated by obedience and faith. It's just simply believing that God will provide and He will. I remember when we went into ministry years ago, I just told the Lord, I said, if you want me to do this, you've got to provide for me because I can't provide for myself. And He's been doing that and He's done it in miraculous, supernatural ways. And so I believe I'm living the supernatural life right now in terms of provision. You know, you can't look at me on paper and, and figure out why I got what I got because it don't make sense. Can't do it. You know, you might can figure yours out on paper, but I can't. I'm, always, I'm constantly amazed every week. Constantly amazed. Why? Because this is the new address of my faith address in the kingdom. What else comes with your address in the kingdom? Y'all help me. We've talked about healing. We've talked, we prayed about adoption today and that you no longer have to be alone. Listen, you're not lonely. What comes along with your new faith address is that uh, there's God's always with you. He'll never leave you alone. He'll send you people to be with you too. He'll send folks to, to come by your side to be your advocate to help you. What else? Y'all help me out here. What else comes along with this new faith address? We talked about salvation. No longer lost, but now you're found. What else? 
What comes along with this new address of faith? Faith is our new country. What comes along in the country? What? It's okay. Blessings. Oh, gosh. Everywhere you look, all you got to do is open your eyes. Everywhere you look, there's blessing. What else? Inheritance. Inher oh, inheritance. Stuff that comes by birthright, not by work right. What do we have by birthright? What do we have? What's our birthright? Well, you know, it's part of one of the big things was mentioned in chapter 2 when it said, He took us from where we were and He seated us in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Did you know you're both here and there at the same time? You're here where you are, but you're also seated in heavenly places with Him. You're, you're seated where you're at, but you're also seated where He is. You know what that means? That means you're in a place of governmental authority. You're in a place of legislation. What that means is you can speak to and declare what you hear Him say whisper and what He's put on your heart. You can speak to and declare the situations and the change. And why would He put you in a heavenly place? Why would He seat you above everything? Why would, he, why would He put you in that position just to sit there and look good? And that's what a lot of people think. You know, He's put me there. Well, I'm just there. Well, you're not there just to look good. You're not just an ornament. You're not just a trophy. What you are there for is to listen to the heartbeat of Jesus, be in relationship with Him and the Father so you can hear what they are saying and then do what they're doing. It's that simple. And unfortunately, people aren't taught very much of that. Well, whatever Jesus said you can do, you can do. Whatever He said you can have, you can have. The thing is, hearing what He says, and watching what He's doing, enter into that work, speak and declare, and it happens. That's why, listen, y'all, that's why so many things happen so fast in the supernatural and the miraculous. It's people simply doing what they hear Jesus say do and watching what he says, watching what he's doing and then gathering in with him. That's part of your inheritance. That's part of who you, that's who you really are. What else? What, what else comes along with all that? Anything else? Let's just, let's just kind of open it up for a minute. What else comes along with all that? Well, for those of you who are parents and those of you who are going to be parents, you have been given special place in your family. You are steward over your children and also your, your grandchildren to, to a degree. I mean, they come from your loins. They're your bloodline. As the parent or the matron or the patron of your family, you can speak and declare over your grandchildren that they all be saved. You can speak over your children that they all be saved. I'm going to tell you what, you can arrest a lot of the work of the devil simply by exercising your faith and allowing what you've heard Jesus say to come out your mouth. That's what you can do. You know what else we can do? We can speak to this city. We can speak to the school system. 
We can speak to the, edu to the educational system, but we can speak to the governmental system. We can speak to the, we can we can speak to the economics of this area. We can call in and declare new businesses, new revenue coming in. We can call in and declare uh, the health of the people in our community. We can call in and declare um, spirit of understanding and wisdom to come upon our teachers and our students. And we, all, we always pray for our students, both public school and home school, every year before we start the school year. And we also pray for them during testing time. And we have never, not once, yet been ceased to be amazed about what God does, especially in the area of testing and, and, and the, the, the spirit of excellence in the classroom. Sister Audrey's big on that. She's big on it. And so we can, we can do a lot of that stuff because faith is our new country. God has never wanted us to have faith in an old thing. You ever thought about that? Wayne had something to say. No? Not really, no? <laughs> the waters are troubled. And God, you, you've mentioned about your healing. Yeah. I've had same symptoms, blood pressure, also uh, high blood sugar. Yeah. And the waters are troubled, and I have faith. If God's giving you a testimony, I'm going to be part of that testimony. Right. I want you to pray for me right now. But the waters are troubled. I, I hate to mess you up, but no, the, no, Lord dealt, the, the Lord has dealt with me back there. He says, go. Have me pray for you, lay hands on you, yes. and I, and the Lord has provided it for me, and I'm here to receive in the name Amen. of Jesus. Kim said the kingdom of faith requires action, and it does. And here's the other thing. In terms of interruption, there is, you know, I <laughs> If it's Jesus, there's no interruption. Because this is one of those things. When you, hear, when you hear something, you need to act on it. Now, okay, yeah, let's, let's do this. Father, in Jesus' name, this man. Y'all can come lay hands on him if you want to. Uh, those of you who want to can. It's perfectly fine. It's a prayer of faith. Remember, the prayer of faith is simply a prayer where faith calls forth the words and puts them out there. It's not something you play soulishly. It's not something you pray in your head. It's something that comes from your spirit, man that's released in the words of faith. So, Father, in Jesus' name, Wayne has declared his faith. Lord, I have, I have declared my testimony. So, testimony and faith, dear Lord, have combined in this man. And, devil, you, we serve you notice today that, that faith and obedience has both combined today. And where there's faith and obedience, there's results. Because faith demands action. Now, Father, we're simply declaring what you've already said to be true. We've yes. not declared anything that's dumb, yes. that's irrational, that's stupid, or contrary to your will. Because it's not your will that Wayne suffer under the hand of diabetes and high blood pressure. So right now, in Jesus' name, we declare Wayne healed. He's healed of high blood sugar. He's healed of uh, high blood pressure. And God, he's going to know it when he knows it and feel it when he feels it. 
And the, and, and the testimony is going to be found not only on his lips, but it's going to be found on the test strips of the sugar machine. We declare 120 and 110 over him in Jesus' name in terms of blood sugar. We declare 120 over 80 blood pressure in Jesus' name. There will be no more dizziness. There will be no more neuropathy. What do we call that in the foot? Neuropathy. There will be no more neuropathy. Furthermore... There'll be no joint pain. There'll be no stiffness in his feet. And this healing will just creep all over his body. And it will affect every single thing that's not of you. It will affect every single sickness or sign of sickness. And he will be in perfect health for the rest and the balance of his days. Every organ, every, every tissue, every place in his body is going to be healed in Jesus' name. So right now, in Jesus' name... Our faith declares Wayne healed. His faith declares him healed in Jesus' name. And he has received it right now in Jesus' name. That's right. The life breath and the energy of God through every vein and every artery, every valve, every corpuscle, every drop of blood, oxygen, Free and clear blood circulation. Fine. No restrictions in Jesus' name. No restrictions in Jesus' name. The blood of Jesus cleansed him not only from his sin, but all of his infirmities in Jesus' name. Thank you. Yep. We're going to hear a good report. Ha, 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 ha. This is Faith's new address. Okay. Now, what you need to understand is God's preparing you. And He's preparing us for just stuff just like that. There's no reason for me to believe anything less than the people you pray for is going to be healed. There's no reason for me to believe anything less than the people who come here are going to be healthy and well. There's no reason for me to believe that Jesus is not going to protect your children and your grandchildren because of what you declare. There's no reason for me to believe anything less than he's going to change them and save them and set them on their course and place them in the heavenlies with Jesus too and they'll share a likeness of faith. There's no reason for me to believe that the races are going to come together and racism is going to be a problem because we're all one new man in Jesus' name. There's no reason for me to believe anything less than that. And I'm not going to declare anything less than that. It's all real. It's a matter, I'm telling y'all, it's a matter of coming to a place where you just believe it. I know, and listen, this, this journey of mine that I've been on since we've been uh, on this faith thing, you know, I'm not going to spare the blood of Jesus on you. I'm just simply going to tell you that Jesus saves and heals, and you're a part of that. And what you need to do and what your responsibility is is you need to just lay hands on that and receive all that embraces. The unfortunate thing is is that many of us have been told what we can and what we can't do, what we can have and what we can't have, the limitations upon everything that's supposed to be limitless. We just are going to discard that right off the bat. We're not going to have that. We serve a limitless God. We serve a God who is limitless in you. There is no limit to what he will do through you. That does not circumvent the work of Jesus. That does not propose us to be equal to him in any shape, form, or fashion. He is God. He is ruler. He is creator. He is king. He is Lord. He is he's everything. But what that means is if my daddy's that way, I'm that way. I got certain things he's got. Now, now uh, 
the tribal chieftain, he's king. But his sons and his daughters are princes and princesses. They are royalty and they share in what he has. They cannot share, they cannot be the express image of him. Jesus was the express image of God. Now you've got to get this. He was the express image of God. We are created in God's likeness, but Jesus was in the express image of God. But because Jesus was in the express image of God and is in the express image of God, and, he, and when the scripture says He gives us stuff, He gives it to us without limitation. And I've got everything Jesus has without limitation. And we've got to get that in our spirit because God's sending us people who's going to need faith like that. And He's going to put you in situations that's going to require faith like that. Absolute, resolute, and un. Yielding, militant faith. Wayne's healed. And we're going to hear a testimony soon what that sugar strip says. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for today and the blood of Jesus. We thank you, dear God, that you're making one new man in this house and in the world for you to be a habitation in. It's not hokey. It's not make-believe. It's what you said, and that's what we believe. Now, God, teach us to love each other more. That's where the real release and the abundance will come from. It's where we love each other more. So give us love, Lord. Increase the love. Let there be love enough for everyone and in just total extravagant excess. And, Lord, we can't wait to see what you're doing that we don't see right now. We, we by faith, do... We apprehend that and we see it, but we want to see it manifested and we can't wait to see what you're going to manifest. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless the Lord. Testimony, anybody got anything they want to say? Yeah. You kept referring to this during um, today's message and... We talked about it what, during prayer before Friday night, and then it came up during Friday night. So I just want to release this scripture over this house um, because I can't shake it. And it's, it's out of Ephesians 4, and it's verses 4 through 6. And I, re, I decree over this house, you are all called to travel on the same road and in the same direction. So stay together, both outwardly and inwardly. You have one master, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who rules over all, works through all, and is present in all. Everything you are and think and do is permeated with oneness. We declare oneness in faith, oneness in unity, oneness in love, oneness in all good things that come from you, Heavenly Father, in this house. We declare oneness in our marriages. We declare oneness in our families. We declare oneness on the worship team. We declare oneness in intercession. We declare oneness in the word. We declare that this house is a oneness of one mind one God one faith Jesus name Lord we don't want to settle for the same old thing we don't want to be caught in a trap of getting stuck in yesterday's ointment and God we don't want to err 
in anything. But dear God, this thing of faith and love and belief and forgiveness, you have placed it in your eternal plan. You've put it there as a work of God and we receive it all in Jesus' name. There's nothing we, we don't, we do not not receive anything. We're not picking and choosing. We receive the whole package and the whole bundle. And God, we are entering into exciting times as individuals and in as a ministry and in this community. So God, bring it on in Jesus' name. We want to see the full glory of your own self manifested in our lives in this house, just like Natasha preached. <laughs> just then. So we believe, Lord, and we receive this, and we just can't wait to see what happens. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all bring somebody to church next week.